The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month, my guest on The Compliance Life is Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe is a native New Yorker, and that in many ways has influenced his professional career leading to his sitting in the CCO chair. He is a first-generation American, went to law school. His early professional life was working as in-house counsel in an insurance company and an insurance defense. After 9-11, he moved into anti-money laundering, focusing on that part of the 9-11 story that he felt he could impact. He worked in a variety of financial institutions and the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Gabe has sat in the CCO chair in two separate banks, and he talks about that. And then he now works at K2 Integrity using his CCO experience to help clients create and implement best practices compliance programs. It's a little bit different journey than several of the CCOs we've talked to, but it's fascinating nonetheless. I know you'll enjoy this month on The Compliance Life featuring Gabe Hidalgo. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode of The Compliance Life. This month, I'm visiting with Gabe Hidalgo, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. In this episode three, uh, we're going to talk about Gabe moving into the CCO chair. So, Gabe, first of all, welcome back. Thanks a lot, Tom. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Gabe, uh, I now like to turn to uh, you moving to ItBit and becoming the CCO there. What were some of the major goals that you achieved? But more importantly, what was it like really moving from a support uh, or project role to sitting in the CCO chair? So at, at ItBit, I, my title was actually Global Head of Compliance. Uh, so it wasn't technically the CCO chair, but uh, it felt like the CCO chair. I, um, what was it like? It was basically being uh, the head person for compliance. I, everything that had anything to do with compliance flowed through me, uh, and that meant you know whether it was data privacy, whether it was AML, uh, whether it was consumer compliance, anything that was compliance or had the word compliance in it flowed through me. In addition to that. Um, whenever there were any types of inquiries from regulators or law enforcement uh, in regards to activity that may even touch upon anything that could be compliance related, I was always uh, informed of that. So they always say, you know, I, I remember um, a long time ago, one of my colleagues had a, a little thing on his desk that says the buck stops here. That applied uh, to that role. And so um, my first formal, formal CCO position was really with uh, Community Federal Savings Bank, where, um, you know, you have to be reviewed by the regulator and they perform a background check. Uh, and so one of the things that I, to this day, I remember, they go through your financial statements, which is completely fine, I had nothing to hide. 
they go through a prior experience review. So you provide them with your resume, your contacts, your prior employers, your, your references, so on and so forth. Um, they really look at every single thing that you've done uh, to make sure that you're not um, beholden to anyone. Uh, and there's no way that you would, um, you know, there's, there's no thing in your background that would indicate that, that, that you've done something wrong, malfeasance of some kind. Uh, part of that, uh, so years ago, many, many years ago, uh, my friend and I thought about starting a, um, a sports blog uh, just because I'm a rabid uh, sports fan. My friend's a rabid sports fan. He's in Philadelphia. I'm in New York. So we thought about possibly starting a like multi-region sports blog. He's in Philly. I'm in New York. He's a Phillies fan. I'm a Mets fan. He's an Eagles fan. I'm a Jets fan. So we thought this would be a great opportunity for us. Uh, and so I, I, as part of preparation for that long, long time ago uh, idea, I had formed an LLC in New York, and but I never did anything with it. And so it was kind of just there. And so um, as part of the OCC's review, um, they asked me about it and said if I was still operating an LLC. And I told them no. And I kind of gave them the story and they laughed and said, oh, that's it's sad that we won't be able to hear your thoughts on sports, but it's good to know that the LLC is not something that's going to take away your time from your CCO role. Uh, actually, probably a week uh, after that, we got the um, letter from the OCC that I was approved, uh, that they had no um, issues with me being the CCO for the bank. Um, the thing, you know, the thing that I learned most I think um, from from being this first officially the CCO at Community Trial Savings Bank and then again at Noble Bank International was really, again, the buck stops with you. Everything flows through you. From an exam standpoint, you are the captain. So everything and anything that occurs under your watch is your responsibility. It doesn't matter if you delegated it to someone else. It doesn't matter if you've assigned it to someone else. Ultimately, you are the one on the line for whatever occurs. Now, you know, at, at CFSB, um, you know, there had been some issues previously and I went in there um, with the mindset that I needed to fix everything that was wrong. Uh, you know, uh, the OCC had already provided their input in regards to that. So from a CCO perspective, it was super important to really prioritize from a timing perspective uh, what needed to be done. Um, and you know, I inherited a staff at CFSB. One of those people that I inherited, uh, her name is uh, Pat Kalaz, uh, and you know, shout out to her if she's listening. Uh, fantastic, fantastic person. She actually helped me a lot in helping to prioritize uh, the items that needed to be uh, repaired at CFSB. Um, and the another thing too is that we had an accelerated exam schedule. So typically, exams for banks occur on an annual basis. Uh, we had them occurring every six months. Uh, so you would fix something and then start to gear up for the next exam because you knew that, you know, you had to have hit those milestones on those six-month intervals to make sure that you were, you know, on a, in a good pace. I estimated that to fix everything within the compliance program would probably take two and a half years. Uh, we ended up fixing everything in a year and a half and got the clean bill held from an AML perspective, from a compliance perspective after that year and a half. Um, I think the big thing that I learned uh, from, from those roles 
was also, um, you know, you have to have a really good staff. Uh, the people around you have to be talented enough to understand and to be able to implement your vision. Because you can have the best program, you can have the best idea, but if you don't have the, the help, if you don't have the staff to help you implement, then you're not going to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, it was it was very challenging. It was a challenging environment. Um, there, you know, additionally, from a CCO perspective, it's not as much what you can quote from the rule book or from, you know, from laws or regulations. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are super talented at memorizing the rules, the laws, the regulations. That's great. That's impressive. It's a good party trick. Uh, but can you take what you've memorized and actually implement it into an effective program? That's the mark of a good CCO. Um, the people that I've met who I've been impressed by from a CCO perspective, when I was a CCO as well as when I was an examiner and, and other places, those are the people who never really quoted me the law, never really spit back at me the regulations, uh, you know, verbatim. They were the ones who implemented the program in, the, in an appropriate manner uh, and in a reasonable manner, in a way that you saw the development, you saw the design, and that the design matched the requirements of the, uh, of, of the company. I think that is much more impressive than someone who can sit there and rattle off verbatim the regulations and, and, and the laws. Because, you know, a lot of people can memorize things. But can you implement? That's the difference between a mediocre CCO and a good CCO. A good CCO is going to take the rules, the laws, the regulations, and provide you with a program that is tailored to your company, to your bank, to your firm. That's the trick, I think. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in the, the places where I have been a CCO. I've been able to carry that out. That's been my mantra is getting it right, tailoring it to the institution, making sure that the program matches the risks of the institution uh, from a customer basis, from a products and services basis, from a delivery channel basis, from a jurisdictional basis. All these things you have to take into account when you're putting together your compliance program. Um, I don't like um, when people think that they are good compliance officers because they know the law and they can, you know, from memory, read you off, you know, sections 2.4 and blah, 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 blah. I think that those are parlor tricks to me. For me, the proof is in the pudding. Show me what your program looks like. Tell me why you made these decisions. They should be tailored to your institution. And if they're not, uh, then you better tailor them because if, if they're mismatched, then you're going to miss something. Uh, now, there's no perfect compliance program, but I can tell you a tailored compliance program is way better than a compliance program that, that's put together in a haphazard method. Um, I think another thing that I learned is, um, you know, you have to work with the spirit of the law. Um, anyone can tailor something to the technical aspects, to the written law, um, but are you hewing to the spirit of the law, what they're trying to get after? We can all tell from regulations what it is that we're trying to prevent and what it is that we're trying to enforce. Uh, but you know, if you're going to be someone who is looking to get off on technicalities from a compliance perspective, that's not gonna be a good compliance program. Uh, you wanna design your compliance program so it's not just the letter of the law, but it's also the spirit of the law. And I think 
and the spirit of the regulations. And I think that that makes for a better story from a compliance perspective. And when you're sitting with your regulators, they will know that you're not trying to pass a fast one or you're not trying to just technically be in compliance, but you're actually trying to help. And I think that's at the end of the day, um, sitting in that chair, when you're sitting across from the regulators, uh, that's what they want to feel. They want to feel that you're you're trying to do your best, that you're trying to help. Uh, because guess what? The compliance, it's not a sexy field. It's not a, uh, a field that you get into for the accolades. Compliance you get into because you care, uh, because you want to make a difference. Because even though you're not law enforcement and you haven't been deputized, and for me personally, I take it as a, as a um, opportunity to prevent things uh, from an illicit manner, from a terrorist manner, uh, from all these things, these bad things that can happen. Uh, all these things need money. Money is their lifeblood. And so um, if you do your job right, if you as a CCO take that to heart and you try to do the right thing, then good things will happen. And I think regulators will be more likely to give you a pass when they see something if you try to carry out the spirit of the law as well as the letter of the law. So those are the things I've learned, um, you know, sitting in the chair. Um, you know, and I've also, to be honest with you, I've had insight, obviously being a regulator, I understand how regulators think for the most part. Um, and that's helped me a great deal being in that chair because I can anticipate what their questions would be and I can prepare responses and have things ready for them when they do ask those questions. Fortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or any of the topics you've raised in this podcast, where can they go? Well, they can visit us um, on the firm website, uh, k2integrity.com, or they can, if they want to reach out personally, they can reach me uh, via email. Uh, it's G-H-I-D as in David, A-L-G-O at k2integrity.com. Gabe, I hope our listeners will join us for our final episode where we take a look at your post-CCO career and how you use some of the experience you've talked about in this podcast going forward. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thanks a lot, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Gabe Hidalgo in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.